Hey, good morning. Thanks again for joining us at Lakeland Vineyard online this morning. Just again, honored that you would take a few moments to spend with us. Uh, My hope is that you're encouraged and that you come to trust in Jesus Christ. I want to do something a little bit different today. We're going to try something a little bit different. Uh, Since we're not meeting in person, uh, we're going to do like a virtual digital greeting. Uh, some people uh, in some traditions call it the passing of the, the, the peace of Christ. And what I want to encourage you with right now over the next like two and a half minutes is go ahead and take your phone and text somebody, uh, hey, you know, praying for you. Hey, the peace of Christ be with you. Whatever you want to say that's encouraging and that they know that you are thinking about them. And so let's just take two and a half minutes. We're going to roll some tunes right now. And I'll be back in about two minutes and 30 seconds. I'm glad that you took a couple minutes. I hope that you were able to connect with someone maybe that you haven't connected with in a while or maybe it was a really good friend. Um, But I just thought it was so worth it uh, to do that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to continue on our series that we've been talking about uh, from death to life. And in part one and two, uh, we learned, hey, don't panic in the pause. Uh, Rather, remind yourself that Jesus is always in control. Don't miss the point of the moment, right? So things are always happening. They might not be exactly what we expected. Uh, In Proverbs 20, 24, uh, it says, The Lord directs our steps, so why try to understand everything along the way? God is in control. Uh, And then last week, uh, we learned this, that Jesus is calling us beyond belief about him into a relationship with him. And he he says this to Martha. He says, you know, I I know that you understand that that traditionally or theologically that all things are going to rise and all people are going to rise in the last day. But what I'm asking you to believe is, am I that I am the resurrection and the life. And so he calls Martha to faith in himself. And so that's where we kind of pick up today and to see that, that uh, this response from Martha. So what we're going to do is we're going to turn to John 11. Uh, it'll be on the screen behind me. If you have your Bible, um, we're going to start in the 27th verse. And I'm going to read that, read along with me. And it says this, Jesus, it says this, yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus stayed outside of the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and she said this. She said exactly what Martha said. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And we continue on in verse 33. 
when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. He was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? And so these are the, these are the passages that we're going to dive into today. And so we can see that there's this, this connection that's going to happen with us today even. In verses 27 through 32, what we see is, is a passage about mourning, but in the context of this New Testament time. And so we see that it's a community event here, an event where people come around the family of those who had experienced loss. And it was a time of deep grief. We saw in there that there was wailing and there was weeping. And so this was a community event. I remember a scene much like this. Uh, when I was 19 years old, I traveled to uh, Kenya uh, in Africa and uh, and me and a friend were visiting some missionaries over there, and I saw a scene like this, but I, I didn't appreciate what was going on. Okay, I saw, I saw this scene like in real life, people weeping, people wailing. It was at a funeral, and honestly, for me, it was a crazy scene, but not like an out-of-control crazy, like a completely out-of-my-context crazy, because uh, in my world, funerals, celebrations of life didn't look like that, right? And so this funeral went on for hours and hours, and there were events that happened before the funeral, and there were events that happened after the funeral, and the whole thing lasted for a few few days. But the community came together, and they grieved together. They were sharing in each other's grief. And so the whole scene, again, it was lost on me. I was 19. I was young. I didn't get it. I was like, man, this is taking forever, right? Uh, but, but because I think it was lost on me because this, I grew up in a culture and in a context like a lot of you who are watching right now or listening right now uh, where, where funerals, they're not even funerals anymore. Because that, that term is almost far too depressing. So, so we, we've made a, a, a better term, uh, we think, and, it, and it's called a celebration of life. And, and these celebrations of life typically last about an hour. But now culturally, what we look at is around the world, a ton of culture still does it like, like this John passage where a community comes together where they mourn together. And so Paul in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14, um, and he's talking about the hope of the resurrection. He says this, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14, he says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will be, bring back with him the believers who have died. Now, I want, us to, I want us to focus in on one thing, not grieve like people who have no hope. In this passage, Paul is not saying, hey, 
suck it up, buttercup. All right, tears are for the weak. He's not saying this at all. Paul is actually iterating that there are two kinds of grief, right? There is hopeless grief and there is hopeful grief. And they are two different things. Then even hopeful grief can be bitter. And, and one of my favorite authors who, who over the last few weeks I've been reading a lot of uh, and, and hopefully you all get inspired and read some uh, his stuff too, C.S. Lewis. Um, and, and for me, some of his stuff is, is the kind of author where you read it and then you read it again and then you read it one more time and like that third time you start to get it. But I encourage you uh, in this passage from uh, Grief Observed, he says this about grief and I love it. Grief is like a long valley, a winding valley where any bend may reveal a totally new landscape. As I already noted, not every bend does. Sometimes the surprise is the opposite one. You are presented with exactly the same sort of country you thought you had left behind miles ago. That is when you wonder whether the valley isn't a circular trench. But it isn't. There are partial reoccurrences, but the sequence doesn't repeat. And and so from these verses, from verses 27 to 32, here's what I I want us to take away two things. And the first thing is this, that hopeful grief is a healthy process, is a healthy process that is centered in Christ. And we can see this hopeful grief in Martha, who then says, yes, Jesus, I recognize you as the resurrection and the life. She can grieve hopefully because Jesus is the resurrection and life. And the second thing I want us to take away is this, because Jesus is the resurrection and the life, you and I can practice healthy hopeful, communal, and individual grieving. So we can do this because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. It's okay to grieve. And and so we we go from this, this grieving of this community, and then what we see in these next few verses, in verses 33 through 37, we see, I believe, like no other time, we see John 114 becomes so real, so vivid to us. And it says this, the word became human and made his home among us. See, Jesus, the word, he was God incarnate. That is God who has become flesh. We see him weeping. And here in verses 33, through 37, we see God as close. Not, not lording over with his strong hand, just waiting to pounce on somebody somewhere off in the distance. He has no connection. Rather, we see that he's near to the brokenhearted. We see that he weeps with those who weep. That God is, is near to us. The words of Isaiah 53, verse 3, just ring so loudly in conjunction with this. 
Uh, and it's talking about the suffering servant, and, 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 and it's so clear in this moment. It, it says, he was despised and rejected, a man of many sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. But we have to ask this question, why was Jesus weeping, right? Like, we know the rest of the story, right? If you just, if you just read in chapter 11, you read the, the few next verses, you'll understand the rest of the story. Like, Lazarus is going to rise. Jesus knows that. So was he weeping because of that? Why is he so troubled? Why is he angry? And I don't believe there's one simple answer. I really don't. I don't think there's one simple answer. I believe that there's a few questions that we have to ask to come to the answer. Is it Jesus' disdain for death? Is it the weeping of those around him that was caused by death? Is it that death is the result of sin? Was it the forethought of his own death to come? And I have to say this, I believe it's all of these combined. Rushing in in this moment, there's this perfect storm of emotion. And let's really focus on the scene. The one through whom all things were created and all things were made is standing in the middle of this muddled mess. Things were not supposed to be this way and this is why jesus weeps and just before jesus weeps it says this we see this invitation from the people and and the people say say come and see come and see and of course that's the response to jesus's question where have you put him And they say, come and see. Come and see the source of our deep grief. Come and see what has caused us to be in this state of emotional emotional turmoil. And if we pause for a moment, are you and I any different? Should we not do the same as the crowd Should we not invite Jesus to our place of deepest grief and sorrow and pain? Sometimes we resist to extend the invitation to Christ. As if he couldn't handle our darkest places. But here's the deal. We can invite him to the deepest, to the darkest places of our lives with the full expectation that he will, with no doubt, walk with us. And this is because he's not afraid of the deepest and the darkest places. He's not afraid of those places of grief and sorrow and pain. After all, he is acquainted with those places and he has victory over those places. So when we invite him, You and I must be ready, though. As he walks alongside of us, as he will, he will walk alongside of us. But here's the deal. We have to be ready because Jesus is going to extend the same invitation to us. And his invitation is a little bit different, but the same words. And they are, come and see. Come and see that I am the resurrection and the life. 
Not somewhere off in the future. I am the resurrection and the life right here, right now. Come and see that when you live in me, you actually find true life. Come and see that I am the way from death to life. There is no other way. And we've said it before, and I'll say it again, is this, that God is working all around us even when we can't see it. And He is inviting you and I to come and see that He is good, that He is truth, that, he, that in Him we have life, and that we have hope. And if that's you, if you're watching or if you're listening right now and you're, you're contemplating life, you're contemplating Jesus, I want to invite you to say this to Christ. It's simple. Come and see. Come and see the deepest parts of me. And when you do this, Christ will ask you, come and see my goodness. Come and see my grace. Come and see my mercy. Come and see that there is a place at the table for you. There is room for you in my house. And as you trust in Him, He will hold you in His arms. He will heal you. And He will give you life that is eternal. And today, I just want to take a moment as we end today to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus sat in a room filled with disciples, filled with followers of him. And he took some bread and he took some wine. And he said, this bread represents my body. And this is my body that's given for you. And so he takes this and he says, when you take this, do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and take the bread. And in that same space, in that same moment, he took the wine. And he said, when you take, when you do this in remembrance of me, remember that the wine, which represents my blood, that is shed for you, is a representation of the new covenant. And because my blood is shed for you, you can enter in to the presence of God. And we do that this morning. So pray with me. Jesus, you are so good. We thank you that you say to us, come and see. Come and see my grace and my mercy and my love for you. God, we thank you that you love us right where we are. God, that you know us by name and you love us. God, we thank you for this remembrance that we can do. That we can come and we can remember you by taking the bread and the wine 
And we can be thankful, Father, that you made a way for us to enter into your presence. Go ahead and take the juice or the wine. I want to say this morning, Jesus is in the business of transformation. That it might be really difficult for you or for me or for any number of people to say, God, but, but you, you don't understand. I, I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to know you more, but, but God, you don't understand. And here's what I would say to you. God completely understands and he loves you. And what he offers is a transformed life that doesn't look the same. It doesn't mean that, boom, all of a sudden you're perfect. It means this, that you are, you are leaning into Jesus. That you are saying yes to the King of Kings. And the invitation is this. The invitation is to a transformed life. A life that is found only in Jesus Christ it says, if, if you abide in me, if you, if you live in me, then you'll experience true life. And I want to invite you this morning, on, on your screen, if you're watching this live, you're going to see this opportunity that you have to raise your hand and, and give your life to Jesus. And what I want to encourage you with, if, if that's you, we want to connect with you. And if you're saying, you know, I just want to know more about a relationship with Jesus. I want to give my life. I want to trust in Jesus. Then I want to encourage you to do that, even right now. And someone's going to contact you. Someone's going to be praying with you. And I just encourage you to do that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and worship one more song. Um, and we're going to sing probably a verse and then uh, we're going to pray. So Josh, would you just lead us? Your name is like honey on my lips. Your spirit is water to my soul. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Your name is like honey on my lips. Your spirit's like water to my soul. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Jesus, I love you. I love you. I just want to encourage you to be Jesus to the people that are around you. Uh, for me to stand up here and pretend like we're all having the exact same experience uh, during this time. I have friends who, 
who have not worked this much in a very long time, that are just dog tired. I have friends who, who, have, who are not working at all. And so, and, there, and there's everybody that's in between. And so what I would say to you is this during this time, and, and not just during this time, but as we continue on is this, be Jesus to the people that are around you. Do the things that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do, even this week, even this afternoon, if it's picking up your phone, if it's calling somebody, if it's texting, if it's texting somebody. I just encourage you to do that. If it's shopping for somebody that can't get out and can't, and can't go about, I just encourage you to be the voice of hope. Have a blessed week. Go out and do the stuff. In Jesus' name, peace.